Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Candace King. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Juliana Joel. Juliana is a trans bilingual Puerto Rican actress who was recurring on Showtime's highly anticipated American Gigolo. And she has been turning heads as Disney Channel's first trans character on Raven's Home. On the big screen, she'll next be seen in Absolute Dominion for Netflix and Blumhouse later this year. Prior to that, she was selected among hundreds of hopefuls as part of the ensemble of ABC. Disney's Television Discovers Showcase 2021. Beyond the several short films she starred in, Juliana has a strong background in hosting, having served as a host on The Q Agenda. She is a passionate advocate and activist on trans rights and inclusion. I first read about Juliana Joel in an interview that she did, and I was so moved by her account of her experience of filming Raven's Home and just was so eager to sit down with her and hear more about her experience of being the first trans character on a Disney Channel show, especially as a mom with kids and a big fan of the Disney Channel in this house, big fan of Raven's Home. I mean, I was a huge fan of uh, That's So Raven. I always wanted to do that thing with my mind where you look off and you're like, I could see the future. Like, that's kind of still my dream. If anyone has figured out how to do that, please let me know because I'm still trying to figure out how to see the future and know that everything's going to be okay. But just what we're working on in this podcast. Um, Well, luckily, Juliana has some tips for that, (laughs) how to know that everything is actually going to be okay. So please enjoy my conversation with Juliana Joel. All right, Juliana Joel, I am so excited to sit down with you today. And what I like to do with my guests is just kind of a little icebreaker to get in the conversation, warm us up a little bit. So it's like these five little things I like to ask my guests. So one is uh, something that you like, and then something that you know, and then something that you hate, and then something that you love, 
And then just a quirky little fact about you. So we'll start oh with something okay. that you like. Something that I like. Um, I'm not a sweets person, but I really like chocolate chip cookies. Okay. Something that you know? Something that I know. Um, here's a fun fact that I learned recently. Um, Kim Jong-il, one of the you know leaders of, of um, North Korea, North Korea. <laughs> once kidnapped one of the most prominent um, film directors and his wife, who was a famous actress from South Korea, kept them captive and forced them to make films for him because he was obsessed with filmmaking, but he was terrible at it. And so they did this for years until they finally escaped. Wow. Well, I'm happy to know that now, too. Okay. <laughs> Lo- love I just kicking off that. a conversation with North Korea. Okay. Listen, I and just learned something- that, though. <laughs> I'm glad that I just learned that. Okay. Something that you hate? Something that I hate. I really hate when you try to get off the elevator and the people trying to get on get on while you're trying to get off. Yes. Yes. Or even like those like little mini subways or trolleys at an airport. People like to do that too a lot. It's very annoying. Okay. Something that you love. Something that I love. Um, I absolutely love. I mean, besides obviously like family and friends. um, I love classical music. I love that. And then something that a quirky little fact about you. A quirky little fact about me. I don't know if it's quirky, but I find it hilarious that I I once, in order to, back when I would actually try to impress men, which I don't try to do anymore, um, I once went on a date with this guy who I liked so much and he was training for a triathlon. And because I was a swimmer in high school, I told him, oh yeah, I can go train with you. And I went and bought this $400 triathlon wetsuit to swim like two miles out in Zuma Beach. And right after that, I told him, yeah, I don't think it's going to work with us. Um, (laughs) Um, no, I appreciate that because I am also like, I'm someone who like, I, I will learn about sports. I will try a food that I'm not particularly a fan. Like I'll go for it. You know, I'll try, I'll be, I'll be a team player while getting to know someone. But yeah, like the one where I draw the line is like running, like, unless I'm mm. running towards the only time I've really run for exercise or for quote unquote enjoyment is usually for like a 5k in which there is food or beer served at the very end. So those are mm-hmm, the only mm-hmm. reasons why I will do any sort of like long um, engaged physical activity. Uh, but that's impressive that you you went for it. And did you actually end up in the ocean? Oh, yeah. And I did like I think I did like half a mile. By the way, it's like 5 a.m. in the morning. We're the only people in the ocean. And the whole time I'm swimming, I'm like, and the I'm, going sharks. To, I'm going to get attacked. I'm going to die. He is not that cute for you to <laughs> risk your life like this. Um, okay, my version of that is I went rock climbing with a dude to impress him once in my early 20s. I had like gone to the climbing gym a few times. And he was like, oh, I'll take you out real climbing. And I was like, yeah. So I... I bought the gear at the gym and I just have this vivid memory of like me, like he was literally, it was like free climbing. He'd like stick the little pole things into the rocks in the, in the like cliff and then would like climb and then be like, see, just climb up right behind me. And the only thing I was attached to was him. And the only thing he was attached to were these little sticks he was sticking into the side of the mountain. And I just have this vivid memory of like hanging 
by a rope, just yelling, can you please just pull me up? I can't make it. Can you just pull me up over the ledge? And he's just yelling at me. You have to climb it. Like, get your grips better. Dig your toes into the, the side of the rocks. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. And okay, see, I, I thought I was a team player. Activity. You legit almost risked your life. <laughs> I mean, you swam with sharks, but okay. We're also both Florida girls, by the way. So oh I did want to start. Yeah, I grew up in Orlando. <gasps> so like, so, you know, more like Disney. Because mm-hmm. where did you grow up exactly in Florida? I grew up in um, what I call Trampa. Sorry, people from Tampa. <laughs> um, Tampa, Florida. But Orlando, I call Orlando. Um, oh, yes. I love that. Yeah, there was Trampa, Orlando, Skink, Petersburg. I got them all. Um, <laughs> What's Kissimmee? Actually, I don't have for Kissimmee. I'll work on it. Um, <laughs> okay, perfect. But yeah, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were a Florida girl. Yeah, fellow Florida girl. Um, and I read in an interview for you, you said you grew up in a traditional Puerto Rican family. So I want to ask, what does that mean for you? Well, what I meant by that was, you know, my parents are from the same small town in Puerto Rico, Cuamo, Puerto Rico, where they grew up, which is where they met. Um my dad was in the army, so we moved all over the place. Um, I've lived in Texas, New Mexico, name it, I've lived there. Um, but Florida is where I mostly grew up and like went to high school and all of that. Um, but I would spend all of my summers in Puerto Rico with or without my parents. I would just go because all my family is still there um, and spend the summer there. And um, But I, what I meant by a traditional Puerto Rican family is that they come from very, 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 very humble beginnings. I mean, they still very, live very humble lives. Um, and, you know, where they're from in, in Puerto Rico, um, the entertainment world isn't something you actually go and try to be a part of. It's like you see people on TV, on TV and that's the only place you will ever see them on TV. And you don't even imagine what it would be like to do that because it's just, it's not very attainable. And, um, you know, being on a small island, if they think about like entertainment in the sense of LA and Hollywood and the big screen, then that's definitely not something that they would even know how to begin to think about. Um, So, had I grown up like full time in Puerto Rico, I probably probably wouldn't have ended up in entertainment. But because I got to like going to high school in Florida, um, I was just um, my eyes were more open to um, to things on the mainland and to what people, you know, I had friends that were parts of very affluent families and I would go on like summer trips with them and I would hear their family conversations about what their plans were for college and all these things that they dreamed of. And the way they would speak about it, it was like, there's no question if you can achieve it or not, because you have all the resources. So why wouldn't you? Um, Whereas from my family upbringing, it was more of, you have to think of what you have available to you and what is practical and what is responsible. So obviously go to college and become the doctor or the lawyer, um, which now I just I tell them, I'll just play one on TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, did you already have aspirations when you were a young child to 
be an actress or to be in like film and television? Was it more towards theater? Was it what what was the bug that bit you? Growing up, I always was a went to performing arts schools um, where you had to audition to get into, um, which was also bizarre to my family um, because there's no artistic there are no artistic people in my family besides me, basically. But then um, did you find these schools or did they help you find these? I schools? would find them. Yeah. And I'd say, I want to go to the school that does this and this and this. And they're like, okay, well, we don't know what any of that is. But <laughs> if that's what you want to do, we'll support you. And it also helped that I was, um, I, you know, I was a good kid in school. I was always very, I wanted to achieve academically and be responsible and all those things. But yes, um, I always knew that I wanted to be in entertainment. I always watched TV dreaming of what it would be like to be on shows and movies. But again, still not even thinking it was possible. Um, and then for me, a big part of the the mental block was my own personal struggle with my identity. You know, being a, a, even though back at that time, I didn't know that I was trans. I knew that I was different. And I um, knew that when I was watching TV and movies that if there was someone that I felt some sort of connection to that maybe was reflecting something I was feeling inside, it was always represented in a, in a negative way. So then I would tell myself, oh, okay. So obviously if these feelings, if these feelings I'm feeling mean that I'm this, that I'm gay or bi or lesbian or trans or whatever, and I'm seeing on the screen that they are, anytime that comes up, they are ridiculed or murdered or things of that nature, it would just scare me even more. Not only from um, from um, trying to pursue my dreams of of being in TV and film, but also of of pursuing my 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 self worth and my self identity and who I truly was. If that Is makes there? Sense. Yeah, no, 100%. I It makes perfect sense why you'd all of a sudden see something and want to then suppress those thoughts and feelings. Is there a specific movie or show or scene that pops into your head that you remember seeing that kind of made you feel that way? Yes, on, on both ends of, of that spectrum. On the negative side, um, I was a big Law & Order SVU fan. Um. And even though everybody's a victim of Law and Order SVU, <laughs> uh, when it would be like a trans person or a gay person, it would always just be like extra brutal and there would be no like half of like a happy resolution. Um, and then also, I don't know if you remember watching Ace Ventura. He was, I, that's what pops into my head mm -hmm. immediately. You know, he loves, he's really attracted to her, likes her. And then when they reveal that she's a trans woman, they all act disgusted and he throws up and starts vomiting and it's a whole thing. And then on the positive side, you know, I, I was a huge Will and Grace fan. Huge Will and Grace. Um, because it was the first show that I'd watched where gay people were living happy, successful, funny, everyday lives. I mean, Will was a lawyer. I mean, Jack was poor, but <laughs> Will was a lawyer. Um, and just seeing their 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 dynamics of having friendships and having that chosen family. 
And I would also always like purposely put it on the TV when my parents were, were around to kind of see their reaction. And um, I guess also just kind of like hint at them that I was, you know, in that in that part of that fam- the alphabet family. Did you have anyone in your life at that point that you were able to confide in or kind of explore these feelings that were coming up within you? No. Again, I my dad was in the army. Um, he is my family is Catholic Puerto Rican military. The trifecta of being conservative in every way imaginable. So for me, um, as much as I wanted to confide in my parents, I had such an immense fear, um, which turned out to be true later when when you know my truth finally came out but there wasn't anybody I could confide in and the way I was raised I was raised in a way where I wasn't really allowed to show emotion which made me have to learn how to uh, be self-aware and self-process things and um, which is a it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing um the the bad is that I still struggle with allowing myself to allow myself to really process emotions and feelings. And when something bad goes, or when something bad happens in my life to really allow myself to feel it, and be okay with feeling that negative feeling. The good part of that is, is that I am really good at being a logical thinker from a young age and not going straight into emotion which allows me to step back and ask myself, okay, well, what is, what's happening here? And what is, how do I move on from it? What is the solution? Which is good. But at the same time, you, your body can only take so much of that and you have to allow yourself to feel feelings. So for me as a kid, not having someone to, um, to speak to really took a toll on me um, mentally and emotionally. Because even with friends, you know, I going to performing arts school, my my high school, everybody was gay. Every the whole football team was gay. But nobody dated each other. Um, and you know, we're all teens and figuring ourselves out. And we didn't have shows like Euphoria and Generation and all these things where people are like, oh, not not even uh not just open about their sexuality and their um gender identity, but like being celebrated when they when they are um exploring it. And given room to also explore it. That it's right. not you, you have to know exactly right now. You, right. you have to have all the answers to everyone's questions that is now that are being like projected onto you. Yeah. So yeah. So for me growing up, I did not have um, anyone to confide in. Not saying that the people around me were were bad people. Um, it's just their their mental um, level of of education in regards to what I was feeling and experiencing was very limited. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So much of that can also be generational, even in regards to something, you know, which I find quite simple to talk about, which is therapy. You know, to me, Mm -hmm. therapy is a very normal, simple subject. There's like nothing. It should not be, you know, you shouldn't feel I don't think anyone should feel embarrassed talking about the fact that they see a therapist. But from maybe my parents' generation or even their parents' generation, it was like you there's an element of rejecting therapy because something must be wrong with you if you go to a therapist and why would you ever do that and so it is interesting to see generally generationally how um i think children are parented and how subject matter is even discussed in the home i mean even as far as like differentiating like the way that I think parenting different genders of like, you know, boys must be tough and and girls must just put a smile on their face. And those are the options if you're having a big feeling like just smile or just go in your room and and cry about it there. But like keep it to yourself and suppress Mm -hmm. and suppress, suppress. Um, And it's interesting when you enter adulthood to see all those kind of generational patterns and even if they start to water down after a while just you can kind of start seeing where they were rooted in um before which is the wildest thing about i think getting older and realizing that your parents are also just humans trying to figure it out in the world yeah that is that is probably one of the um most bizarre things to think about really you know i i told someone once they were asking me a similar question and I said, you know, for, you know, when we're kids, your parents are your superheroes. And the last thing you want to do is disappoint your superheroes. That is the last thing you want to do. And you pick up when, when they are not just verbally saying something, but you pick up on their facial expressions when they disapprove of something. You know, for me, when I would see how my family would look at or react to in a very uh, expressive queer person, whether it was a man dressing feminine or whatever it may be and seeing their reactions. And you really take that in and you tell yourself, well, 
if my superheroes are reacting this way, then obviously I have to react the same way. And obviously if I'm feeling similar to that person that they're reacting to, then I'm, I'm doing something bad. I'm doing something very, very bad. So to get older and to um, learn that your parents had lives before you, (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, they, they went through, you know, puberty and trying to date and once had dreams and aspirations that may, they may or may not have given up once you came and how they shifted their life and what they went on to do with their life, whether it is what they wanted to do or not. It's it's crazy to process because you, yeah. you kind of ask yourself, well, is it my fault? <laughs> um, even though it's not. And, yeah. um, and parents rarely want to talk about it. And just getting to that point in life where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the adult now. I'm the yeah. one calling my mom and dad and basically parenting them which it, they don't they don't even know how to respond to but yeah. it it's so much of our relationships now at least for me with my parents I to- I'm totally the parent in the relationship. I think this is the most consistent conversation I've had since like the start of the pandemic of 2020 where everyone all of a sudden the, like the communication changed within family dynamics and it just it just really highlighted a lot of things but that probably comes up in most conversations with friends that I speak to or business acquaintances that are like, I feel like I'm parenting my parents. Like we are in that chapter of life right now. Um, Did you graduate high school then in Tampa at your performing arts school? And then did you go directly to LA? Did you stay in Florida? Did you? Yeah. So I graduated high school in Florida. I'm not going to say the name of the school because then everybody's going to try to figure out who, what my (laughs) own name was. Um, Because I've been seeing that a lot on Google. Um, Um, I graduated high school in Florida and then um, I moved to New York to go to college, did the New York thing, absolutely loved the lifestyle and the energy, hated living in New York. (laughs) Um, No offense to my Aren't the winters lovely? Oh, they are so lovely. (laughs) So lovely. (laughs) But honestly, that's the only reason I disliked living in New York was just, I, I can't, I grew up on the beach. I need sunlight and trees. I can't do a concrete snow globe. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I can't do it. And also New York, when you're going to college is very distracting, very distracting. I skipped so many classes. I was going to like Lady Gaga concerts when she was like playing like small clubs and only had like two backup dancers. Was she going Um, by Steph then? Or was she still Lady Gaga? She was, she just became Lady Gaga. Uh it was when she came out with her, oh gosh, I'm so aging myself. She came out with her first album. <laughs> she came out with her first album, but it, it took a year for that album to really, really um, pick up and for her career to take off. Anyway, the story's about me, not Lady Gaga. She gets enough press. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so I went to school in New York. Again, couldn't handle the weather. Went back to Florida for a year to figure out what I was going to do next. And then I told myself, well, I absolutely cannot live in Florida because this state is a miserable state. Sorry, Florida people, but you guys are have a lot of issues. A lot of <laughs> a lot of beautiful things, you know, the beaches, but mm-hmm. um don't get me started on your governor and what's happening down there. Um yep. 
And then I had never been to California, did not know anyone in LA, you know, usual LA story, but I told myself, I'm going to move to LA. And I picked up, packed all my stuff, just moved to LA, not knowing anybody, um, not knowing even what Sunset Boulevard was. And it was hard. It was very rough. It was my first like two or three Thanksgivings was me like in my very, very, very small, if you want to call it an apartment, eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like missing my family. But knowing that I was meant to be here and that I really wanted it and I had to just push through it. And even that moment of being miserable eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich alone in my um, horrible apartment was way better than living in Florida. And were you out there pursuing a career in film and television from the get-go? From the get-go, no, um, because I did not know how to, A, how to go about it. Um, I had no one to guide me and, and be like, oh, you, this is what you do. You go get an agent, you get a manager. I was, you know, researching those things and trying to learn. Um, but I also was just trying to meet people and create a family to not feel so alone. But I definitely knew it was, it was what I wanted to do. And then also, like most artists, you need to survive. So mm -hmm. you go and get a practical job, whether it's being a waiter or whatever, to be able to afford rent because LA is expensive as H E double L. And so when I got to the to the stage of my life where I was like, okay, I'm ready to start pursuing this, it was very, very difficult for me because I hadn't transitioned. So even though I was on jobs and on sets, it was very difficult for me to not just act and do it well because I was already acting so much in my personal life, pretending to be someone I wasn't. It was very difficult for me to navigate a set because as fellow, you know this, when you're on a set and when you are portraying a role, you have to know who you are. You have to be confident in who you are and what you have to provide because this industry is 90, you know, 97% knows. And so much of us artists, when we get those no's constantly, we take that as, as true rejection. Like I'm not doing something right. I'm not good enough. So to go into those rooms, those audition rooms, and to be on those sets and to be just hyper concerned about what people are saying, how they're reacting towards me. You know, am I being cis enough? Am I being passing enough? Am I being straight enough? Whatever it might be. Um, it, it really, really took a toll on me. Were there elements where when you were hearing no, where you're telling yourself, I'm already compromising who I want to be walking throughout this world to appease these people. And then they're still saying it's not good enough. Girl, you're preaching to the choir. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I say all the time, to choose a career that, again, is 97% rejection and it's no after no after no after no. While you're living a life that is constant rejection, as a trans woman, I face, let's be real, my dating life is not fun because men don't know how to process or handle their attraction towards me because I'm trans. The rejection I faced with my family when I first came out, 
the rejection I faced with friends who didn't want to be friends with me when I decided to move forward with my transition. Rejection from random people on the streets. Rejection when, you know, you're just trying to get a table to eat and people don't want to serve you because you look different. So to go through all that and then to choose a career that's even more rejection on top of that, you have to really want it. And you'll only succeed at it if you've truly aligned yourself with who you are and you truly own who you are. Because what I tell people now is because I took the time to really, 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 really accept who I was and own it and know the power and beauty in my identity. Now, when I go into those audition rooms and I get the no, or right off the bat get the looks like, I don't even know why you're here. We already know we don't want you. None of that phases me. I go in there, whether they think I'm meant to be in that room or not. And I show them why I'm meant to be in that room. And even if I still get a no, I'm okay with it. Because I don't see the no as a rejection. To me, a no just means no, not right now. No, not this one. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I know when I get that no in that room, I will walk out still fully in love with who I am and what it is I offered in those 10, 15 minutes to them, because it doesn't reflect my worth, my value, who I am as a person, my identity. I can't tell you the number of times I've gone out for roles and they tell me if it's a trans specific role, they'll say, oh, you don't look trans enough. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, Mm -hmm. but I really do. You're basically telling me what you want is you want someone who looks like it's basically a man in a wig, but you know your show will get canceled if you hire a man in a wig because we've gotten to that point of, you know, standing up for ourselves and wanting our stories to be told authentically. And then I also go out for roles where it's like, it's a cis character, even though you portrayed her great, you're trans, and we don't want that to be a part of her story. So. It's it's like a again it's constant yeah. nose and it, and it has a lot to do with unfortunately who I am as a person and my identity so um so yeah you have to know who you are as in order to get to that point where you made the decision to to say no I know who I am and I'm not going to to live this lie anymore was there a breaking point was there um a a chapter within your life was there someone that you met that was you know I call them like fairy godmothers someone who just kind of shows up in life and is like you got this like I you have the power to you know claim your life as your own and walk through it as the star of your own movie like what was that in in um, that instigating moment um, that said, no, I'm going to transition. This is my life. This is who I am. And the world better fucking watch out. You're going, oh, I didn't know we could cuss on this. That changes everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> here I am thinking you're all proper. And, no, I, <laughs> it's all a ruse. It's all my type A personality that tries to like keep it buttoned up. I'm like, oh, she's classy. Look at this floral background. No. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Okay. Um, no, I love it. Um, yes, and you're going to laugh when I tell you my answer, but let me, let me, let me lead up to it. So I think part of it was um, A, being in L.A., by myself, away from my family, not having 
their eyes on me, criticizing what I was or was not doing. So it allowed me a space and a freedom to really explore myself out here being by myself. And then, so when I got to the point, I always knew I was trans. I just didn't have the the vocabulary to know that's what it was. And when I learned the vocabulary, I was hesitant to transition because, again, me included, I didn't know anybody trans. The majority of people in this country have never met a trans person, let alone knows one personally and engages with one on their da- in their daily lives. So how I would form my, my thoughts and my opinions and my beliefs around this community that I felt I was a part of but never met or knew personally is how everybody else did it. Watching TV, watching movies. And because media for so many years and still portrays trans people, you know, as the jokes, as the victims, as the um, sexual fetishes, Mm -hmm. objects, they're not humans. When you put that, add that to, especially back during, you know, the Trump administration, but even still now, an administration that is trying to basically strip your basic human rights. When you have people like the governor in Florida who is telling the world that these aren't human beings, these aren't people, they don't deserve basic human rights, they don't deserve respect, they don't deserve love, they don't even deserve to be able to go to the bathroom. When you add those things, how else are you gonna feel about a community? that you've never met or engaged with. So for me yeah. personally, when I when I knew I was trans, I was so afraid of, of doing anything about it, of moving forward with my transition, because I had media telling me on a personal level, you're not deserving of love, you're not deserving of success. All that can ever happen to you is you'll either be a stripper, a junkie, a pro- which no, nothing against sex workers, I love sex workers. Um, and I respect them, but you're going to die of an overdose. You're going to get raped like on law and order SVU. Basically, you know, it's horrific things. And then on a professional side, as an actor, seeing this and being like, okay, well, if I become an actor, either nobody's going to want to hire me. And even if they do, this is going to be the extent of my career. I'm just you're going gonna to then play. feed those stereotypes. That I'm just going to already... feed the stereotypes. I'm just going to be the joke, the victim. I'm never going to have a real success- successful career. And then, of course, having a government that tells you you don't even deserve to breathe. That scared the shit out of me. And it took me a few years to finally get to the place where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I have to have to live my truth. And the person who opened my eyes to that, I didn't know them personally at the time. Her name is Janet Mock. Not sure if you know who she is. If you don't, you should look her up. One of the most amazing, amazing women on this planet. I happen to be watching Oprah. Of course, it's Oprah. It's always Oprah. It always comes back to Oprah. (laughs) It always comes back to Oprah. I was watching Oprah and she was interviewing this beautiful, beautiful woman who was so well-spoken, so educated. And I'm hearing these things about what she's done with her career. She was like the editor-in-chief of one of the most prominent magazines. Now she wrote this beautiful book. And then she starts talking about 
her relationship with her husband and how, and her being trans. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, you're trans. And it was the first time in my life I had ever seen a successful, beautiful, positive representation of a trans woman. And it wasn't a character. It was a woman Mm -hmm. speaking on her actual life. This woman was living a beautiful life. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, that can be me. I didn't know it could. I didn't know there were people like me actually just living their lives and having families and having careers and looking fine as hell while they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And on o- being on Oprah, like being interviewed by Oprah, I'm like, wow. And I just started and crying. Speaking about things that are important, not just trying to make like not trying to appease anyone else by being like the butt of a joke or a stereotype or anything right. like that, but just being a human person in the world with interests and accomplishments. And it's just a part of who they are. It doesn't define them either. Exactly. And then, so, you know, watching her talk about her story, I cried. I went the very next morning and bought her book, read the entire thing, which is basically her story. Um, and I just, I think I spent like the entire day in bed, just like staring at the ceiling, just like processing and imagining what my life could look like. And then that's when I told myself, okay, you see it can be done. Now it's your turn to do it. Even if your life doesn't turn out the same way, you at least know that it's possible. And that's all it took was to just see that it was possible. And it would never have happened if I didn't see a positive version or representation of of a trans person which mm-hmm. is why it's so i i know people are so sick of hearing representation matters representation matters it really really truly does um so she was like my fairy godmother in my mind i didn't know her at the time i got to meet her later on but at the time she's really what inspired um me to to brave the world and move forward with my transition um and yeah, so I started my journey and then, you know, had to inform my parents. So yeah, so seeing Janet was really what um was really what inspired me to move forward with my transition. I don't like to say choose to transition because it's not a choice. I just decided to align myself with myself, however that looked like to me. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I would assume having these conversations just based off of what you've shared a little bit about how you grew up and your relationship with your family, um, that this would have been a tough discussion with them. And you even mentioned like friends of yours at the time that you that you lost friendships over this as well. Um, in a time that you really needed support. I'm sure that there was grief within that. But also were you because you were standing so firmly within yourself and who you are? Was it easier to kind of have those tougher conversations? Because you were so sure within yourself of um, who you were in those in those talks. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, when I luckily, for some reason, had this innate understanding throughout my transition, and especially in the beginning, that just as it took me years to figure out who I was and really understand it and be okay with it with myself, I had to allow the people around me the same. You know, I, I tell people all the time who, especially younger kids who are, are thinking of transitioning, I tell them that, you know, you're, you are going to get to a stage of having to grieve the loss of who you were before. So you can only imagine what a parent would go through to grieve the loss of that version of their child and all the hopes and dreams that they had for that child. So I was lucky enough to to know that early on in my transition, which allowed me to not go to a place of, of hate towards anybody, to allow myself the emotional capacity to take on rejection from the close ones in my family because I understood that I had to allow them time the same as I had to allow myself time. And I knew that also a big component of it was education. Again, like many people, they don't know the difference between being trans and being a drag queen and being gay and being lesbian. They think it's all the same thing. Most mm-hmm. people don't even know the difference between gender identity and sexuality. So of course I knew my parents were going to struggle with this. So yeah, and you have, again, you have to 
really know who you are when you are going through something like this in your life, when you are having the world come at you, trying to, trying to push you back to who you were before. And also understand that a lot of it is their projection. Even people who go on to never really coming around to you and accepting you, they're just projecting. You know, unfortunately, so many people on this planet go to their grave never having lived the life they truly wanted to live because their family, you know, the family they grew up them expects them to be a certain way, have a certain job, get married, have the white picket fence, have the kids and set all your values on that. And anything that doesn't match that perfect picture is not valuable as a human being. And that is so not the case. Yeah, you have you have to really know who you are because so much the so much of the world is going to try to stray you from that out of fear. It all comes down to fear. People who are afraid that you are going to mirror to them what they are not able to do themselves. You know, I tell people all the time, or when people ask me, why don't why do you think people don't like trans people? It's not because we're trans. It's because we're we're literally putting up a mirror to that person and making them question things about themselves and their identity and their self-worth and making them ask themselves, what about me is worthy? What do I find worthy? And am I feeding that? Am I truly embracing that? And so much of the world doesn't because they are so afraid of what other people are going to think of them. And also, do I know who I am? And do I know who I am? And that scares people when they, and trans or not, when they come face to face and engage with someone who truly knows who they are to the point where you could do the most jarring thing, you're not going to shake it out of that person. It scares people because they have not figured that out for themselves. It truly scares people. Um, and it makes them uncomfortable. And when people are uncomfortable, they project and they lash out and they say things they shouldn't say. And I mean, we see it so much in the world now, um, in news, on social media. So yeah, for me in my transition, I was lucky enough to not just know who I, who I was early on and be grounded in that, but to also understand that my value and my beliefs who I and who I was did not rely on the people around me. My validation comes from me, not from any sort of outside source. I even told my parents, and some people think this is harsh, but this is how I feel. I told my parents very early on when they were struggling with my transition, you do not have to accept it because I know that you will never fully understand it. So it's going to be difficult for you to you accept it, but that's not on you. The only person who has to accept me is me. I would never ever relinquish that kind of power to someone else and put it in their hands to allow them to dictate whether I feel worthy of who I am or not. However, if you want me in your life and you want me around and you want to have a relationship, you have to respect me. That's all you need to do. And that's all I'm going to require of you as a human being. That's it. 
but your acceptance, if you come around to giving it to me, that's great. That's sweet. Love it. Thank you so much. I didn't need it, but it's great. It's a bonus. I love it. I'll take it. I receive it. But again, that can only come from me because I will never allow someone that power. I think there's so many people in the world who are just trying to do that, to just be bold enough to love who they are and know who they are and trust in who they are. And I think it's important to say that it's okay if you don't have that figured out. And even if you do have it figured out, it's okay if you question it from time to time, because we are constantly evolving as, as human beings. Our world is constantly evolving, whether we are ready for it or not. And we're human. We feel, we doubt, we emote, all of those things. So you have to understand that you are no less powerful in your, in your self-identity and your self-worth if there ever comes a moment where you trip up and you question it or something kind of shakes it a little. That's okay. Accept, like receive that. Allow yourself to receive that and really process it and get to a place of embracing what you find is is negative or ugly in that moment because it's only going to shape you in a better newer version because you ha- you you're going to evolve as a person we all do and we all should and we all should yeah so even No, I'm sitting here and I sound all confident and I have my life figured out and all those things, which when it comes to my self-identity and my self-worth, yes, absolutely. But of course I have my moments because again, I have the entire world telling me that I don't deserve to feel this way about myself. it's, It's an ongoing process and you have to allow yourself to feel the low moments just as you feel the high moments. Well, I'm sure you felt an incredible high moment uh, being the first openly trans character on Raven's Home. I'm so used to saying that's so Raven uh, from what I used to watch. On Disney Channel. On Disney Channel. So when you were a child looking to the TV screen to see, you know, if there was anyone that you could, representation of how you were feeling, what has, what has it felt like to now be that person on TV? for the child that you once were. It's empowering. It really is empowering. And I know it's just TV. I know it's people say, oh, it's just a kid show. Oh, it's Disney Channel. Yeah, sure, whatever. However, to think back to myself as a child, not even believing my life would be possible to really truly live who I am to think of that little that little being sitting in front of their tv just dreaming watching that so raven you know wanting to be raven's best friend in her mind <laughs> and it's it's more than just being on tv you know i i said you know in an interview that i cried after I walked into my dressing room after the first table read, I went into my dressing room and I cried because I just met Raven for the first time. I just saw the set for the first time and it just made it all real. And to and I just kept thinking about my younger self and how, even though I wish I would have had someone like me at the time to watch on TV and, and show me that it was possible, 
to live it and to now be it for someone else, it's it's such an empowering and just beautiful feeling. And I just cannot help but feel an insane amount of gratitude. You know, I also had a very low moment after all the news came out because, of course, all the conservative press was blasting it and people, keyboard warriors on Instagram and Twitter would flood me with just hateful comments and also essay long messages. Random people around the world just essay long messages about how disgusting I was, how I'm a pedophile and a groomer. Um, how dare Disney, you know, put someone like me on TV, blah, 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 which I don't take personally because I'm like, um, so I still win. I still get to live my life vibrantly and openly, and I still get to be on the show that I love. So I win. Sorry, you wasted your, um, SAT skills on this essay. But yeah, it's, 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 it's been amazing. I mean, the showrunners were very welcoming. Everybody was very, very, very um, welcoming. And it's just fun to just get to do what I love, but also get to do it as me. Yeah, I don't have to pretend anymore. It's not me when I first moved to LA and I was trying to portray these roles while also playing a role in my personal life. I get to, again, get, go onto that set as my authentic self, which really allows me to then enjoy it. Just enjoy the experience and enjoy myself and really receive it. Has there been, I mean, of course, it's so much easier to see the negative comments and in and essays, but is there one that was super positive that sticks out in your mind that really touched you? You were like, oh, this, this is, and this is why I am so grateful yeah. I get to be here and do this. Yeah, it was actually um, a, a closer story than I would I thought was going to happen. I have a cousin who, um, well, my cousin's wife, but I just call her my cousin, who sent me a message because she saw when all the hate was flooding in. And she shared that someone on her side of the family, uh, someone's nephew or something, was going through a transition. And they come from a culture, I won't say what culture, because I don't want people (laughs) to (laughs) get upset. They come from from a culture where it's absolutely not acceptable. And their parents, of course, are struggling with it. And she said, because my my cousin is a warrior for my community, and she talked to them about me and talked to them about the show. And they all sat down and watched the show together and did it immediately, like change everything for them where they all uh, off the bat, like the second I walked on screen, like, yes, we love you now because now we see <laughs> Juliana playing this character. No, but it it opened their minds. It opened their hearts. And it did for them what I needed. It showed them a positive version of who their child was, which they'd never seen. And they're like, oh my gosh, we didn't know that if you transition, you can also be successful and be, you know, admired by your family and coworkers and media of all things. So that was one that was very sweet. And then the other one, I got a random message from a girl whose sister was transitioning and they live in Puerto Rico and struggling. And their parents watch my episode and they are starting to come around. And it's crazy to think that a girl on 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 the show that's, you know, meant for, you know, preteens and kids can do that. 
so yeah, so there have been amazing, amazing messages, which is why I don't pay attention to the negative. Yes. Yeah. Because yep. again, I still win. I win. You definitely win. And not only are you winning with Raven's Home, you have so many exciting projects coming out. You've got Absolute Dominion for Netflix Blumhouse. Uh, you have American Gigolo, which I'm yeah. so excited to see. Um, and Unfortunately, then also- I don't play a love interest in, in American Gigolo. <laughs> I mean, I've watched that preview for that show a few times, so uh, I was going to be very jealous of you. As much, I mean, all my scenes are with John, who is amazing and fine as hell. Sorry, John, I know you're married, but you know I feel this way also, (laughs) so I can say it. Well, so many exciting things coming up for you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me and join our watchers and our listeners today and and sharing more about your story and who you are. Can you leave us with just one little seedling, whether it's like a mantra or uh, something that you kind of hold on to or a memory or something that you tell yourself for the future uh, that keeps you growing every day? Yeah, um, something I like to not only tell people, but remind myself is there's so much going on in the world. So much. We all know this. We all feel it. We allow the outside world paralyze us as to what we want or need to do in our own personal lives. So something I try to remind myself and the people around me is just breathe, take a moment. And in that moment, ask yourself, What is the next right step for me? For whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, do, do in your life, whether it's a big dream or just getting through that specific day, don't overwhelm yourself. Just in that moment, ask yourself, what is, what is the next right step? Then you take that step. And then from that moment, what is the next right step? And you just keep going. And then it allows yourself room to breathe and to be able to process and manage whatever it is you're going through instead of trying to think, you know, years down the road and and be hard on yourself when things aren't working out. So, yeah, take a breath and ask yourself in this moment, what is the next right step for me? Well, I can't. So that's wait my to note. keep watching your steps. You have so many things coming up. And, um, and truly... also, P.S., your viewers should know that I was a huge fan of yours on Vampire Diaries <laughs> when I was eating my peanut butter Yay. and jelly sandwich um, um, by myself during my many alone Thanksgivings. Um, you got me through it, kicking ass on that show. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That really does mean a lot. So thank you. Truly, thank you. It is so nice to meet you, even if it's via Zoom or the computer interwebs. But um, I'm very excited for our paths to cross one day. I hope that they do soon. Yes, please. This has been a Super Bloom podcast hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond and Print Productions. Post-production sound by Chris Henry and advertisement partnerships with ACAST. 